Bloody Elbow presents the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host. As always, Eddie Mercado, we're coming to you guys straight from the end of UFC 288, going down at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, where Aljamain Sterling retained the Bantamweight title in a fight that uh, I think I, I was pretty comfortable with the score. Were you comfortable with the score? I, I didn't really see the argument that Henry Cejudo won three rounds of that fight. Um, I'm I'm fine either way. I've seen it going for Henry Cejudo. I think that third round was a swing round. It could have gone either way. It was really close. Um, but yeah, I think Aljo won this fight. I think I'm I'm fine with the scorecards. I think, in fact, this might even be like his most legitimate win as a as champion. So yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you, you kind of gotta you kind of gotta feel for. Well, you would have to feel for him if he weren't the champion. He's got the belt. He's got uh, as much money as the UFC is willing to pay him. It's not, you know, uh, going to be top draw pay-per-view money, but he's got he's got the belt, he's got the money. You can't feel too sorry for him, but it is yet another fight where the people who aren't impressed by Aljamain Sterling did not leave more impressed by Aljamain Sterling despite beating another very, very good fighter and doing doing a decent job yeah. of it. You know? Well, to his to Aljo's, you know, credit, I guess I'll say, um, I'm sure he made um, the people who don't really care for him hate him more, and that's yeah. only going to bring more, you know, interest to his fights. So, I think he kind of leaned into Aljo a little bit and being him. I will say, you know, talking shit back to the crowd. His best moment, probably of the whole thing, fight, whatever. All that stuff was when he said, you know, his whole, like, I'm not Mike Tyson. I'm not whoever. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm the funk master. I hate that nickname, so whatever. But, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't hate it too much. But uh, I'm the funk master. If you if you don't like me, come here. You know, if you got a problem with me, come here and beat me. And, you know, that is that is the best challenge he can issue. Like, the man is legitimately one of the very best Bantamweights in the world, even if you don't think that he is absolutely the best Bantamweight in the world right now, you got to say that going tit for tat with Peter Yan and Henry Cejudo makes him right at the, among the very best in, in the exact same top five realm as all the, as whatever other elite fighters you want, might want to put in there with him no honestly it's it's kind of the the perfect symbol for bantamweight i feel like most i mean it's so interchangeable everyone's so freaking good that mm-hmm. i feel like anybody can be anybody on in, any given day and Alex yeah i mean the embodiment of that and what's the argument right now for who's the best bantamweight in the world is it patchy mix is that going to be your argument because mix well, is good 
but like people are going to come at you with the murab argument sure 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 you know it and that's fine but like Uh, that is exactly that is exactly your point of you know this is a division of very very interchangeable elite talent because the talent is so good it's not a you know it's not the situation where it's like anderson silva reigning over middleweight and you're like Oh, Anderson Silva is such a huge level above these fighters. And Anderson Silva is great. I got no problem with Anderson Silva. But if you're looking at the actual resume of the guys he's beating, and you're looking at, you know, Nate Marquardt and Patrick Cote and Yushin Okami and those kinds of guys, they don't hold a candle to Henry Cejudo and Peter Yan and you know the the other greats and Corey Sandhagen. I mean, some of them, some of them, right? Like okay, which ones? Which ones? Let's Which see. ones? Uh, I mean, didn't he be Rampage? Anderson Silva? Rampage Jackson? Oh, no. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> Who are you thinking of? <laughs> Who's who right. choked out Rampage? Someone strangled Rampage, was it? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole with you. I am not gonna. We we've got other we've got other stuff to talk about. Um big thing here was I mean Man, both these dudes are awesome wrestlers. If you got to take one thing away from this fight at all, it is that Aljamain Sterling took Henry Cejudo down and got his back, and Henry Cejudo took Aljamain Sterling down, and both of them are just absolutely amazing technical wrestlers. That was my favorite part of the fight. I mean, mm-hmm. just the high-level scrambles. I mean, it's as, as elite as it gets, and I was enjoying it. And I know maybe a lot of the fans weren't kind of into the, the grappling, but I was I was absolutely loving it. And I was thinking of Dan Henderson. That's mm-hmm. who was, uh, Anderson Silva strangled. And and Peter Yawn's not on Dan Henderson's level. But anyways. Pe- what? Uh, Wait, what? Peter Te- Yawn? Technically, better not better than Dan Henderson. I mean, one of these men won a UFC championship, and it wasn't Dan Henderson. Yeah, but look what he did prize a double champion before that was even a thing. You're disrespecting Dan Henderson. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disrespect. Well, I mean, sure, wow. I'm disrespecting Dan Henderson a little. I'll do it. Wow. Sure, that's wild, bro. Hey, you know <laughs> what? Pray for you. Look, if he shows up at my door tomorrow, I will be there on. You know, on hands and knees, begging for him to not not kill me. But until that day arrives, I'm sorry, Dan. I think Peter Yan's a better fighter than you. Mm, I don't think Peter Yan's has accomplished. Accomplished? Who cares? I'm just saying better. Okay. Okay. Anyway, the point being, both these men put on a hell of a show. Oh, Dallas is reminding me that Endo H-bombed Fedor. I mean, look, Matt Frivola F-bombed Drew Dober. Are we going to be just handing out prizes (laughs) for every... Come on. (laughs) You're you're just disrespecting Endo for no reason. It's like you have amnesia. You forget about the past and the pioneers. And Man, Endo did some amazing things. All right. We got it. We got it. We got it back on focus. Wasn't he a strike force champion, too? Like, what are you doing, man? He got beat by Jake Shields. So, so if we're taking, you know, if we're giving and taking here, anyway, 
Uh, we got to get so the, the other thing here, obviously, Henry Cejudo, he just had this great fight with Aljamain Sterling. He spent all this time talking all this nonsense about going up to 145 pounds, which this fight made look like a really bad idea because Aljamain Sterling, he's, he's a big bantamweight. He's not a small bantamweight, but he's not some sort of like physical beast of bantamweight division that cannot be stopped yeah and he was only talking about moving up to fight volkanovsky he's not talking about moving up to compete in the division i know he's talking about one fight yeah but he dreams i respect it you know he tried yeah i i I, I respect that i'm just saying that it sucks that he's now going to turn that dream down i mean i'm not against him retiring if he wants to retire but it just seems like, you know, the the idea of pinning of a fighter pinning all of their hopes and dreams on having to win the next fight they're in. That just like were these ever real dreams that you had? I don't know. They're just you conditional know? dreams. Yeah. You know, but if, and if can they... you have a conditional dream? You can't if you're Henry Tahudo. Like you can okay. hold yourself to a certain standard, where it's like you know, like Daniel Cormier, he lost the he lost against you know, Stipe. He's like, you know what? If I'm not competing for a belt, I'm out. Well, yeah, no, and I get that. I'm just saying that, like, how much am I supposed to be invested in your dream? If the moment one one bump in the road comes up, you're like, hey, you know what? That wasn't that dream's not that important to me. Right, exactly. So the second it becomes uh, tarnished or tainted or isn't the ideal. Just rise to the top. Although, I mean, you know, he's older now. This isn't like yeah. this wasn't like when he first got into MMA and he had that first loss, uh, and it kind of lit a fire under his ass. You know, this is. I mean, he's not getting quicker. He's not getting faster. No. Look, I'm not saying and nothing about Henry Cejudo being like maybe this wasn't the best idea I ever had in my life. Maybe I should just retire. Nothing about that is impractical. Nothing about that is wrong. I'd be happy if he goes and returns around and retires and rides off into the coaching sunset or whatever he wants to do. I'll always be happy for a fighter that w- decides that they can do something else with their body than fight people. But in terms of the completely selfish fan part of me, that's just like, yeah, I want to watch you fight. Then yeah, I'm just like, well, what is this? Like, what were you spending all this time selling me on? If the moment there's a hiccup in the road, you're just like, yeah, I'm out. Well, I guess at least he was transparent in saying it's sure, going to be sure. Aljo, O'Malley, Volkanovsky. At no yeah. point was he saying anything outside of that. So I guess what what I'm really mad about is that, you know, Max Holloway needs somebody to fight, and I don't know who it's going to be. So it yeah. could have been Henry well, Cejudo. And it could it have could been be, Aljo. It could have been Aljo. Sean He's O'Malley. Fight. Oh, yeah. we didn't even talk about that. They brought fucking Sean O'Malley like a limbs breaks out. Like what? He took his he took his shirt off. He wasn't okay. He wasn't even wearing a shirt. He was just wearing a jacket. But he took his jacket off. Like the man. Like what? What are you doing? You're not gonna fight anybody in the cage He's right there. now. He took it. <laughs> it's like an episode of Saved by the Bell or something. Like what are you doing, dude? Definitely. Um, Honestly, man, I thought I thought the cringe was going to die here. I thought that was going to be it. I was like, okay, this fight's over with. It's done. 
the cringe can like relax a little bit, but then they bring in Sean O'Malley and it's like, and okay. I think I, did they not learn a lesson with uh, Moreno and Figueredo? I mean, I, I, it's a nice way to build some hype and it did build hype. These two clearly like dislike each other a lot more than I would have guessed that, you know, that got angry in a hurry. I think that that's a better, it's a better sign for the future of that pay-per-view than anything else. But it is definitely like Joe Rogan trying to do the, like, I didn't mean to ruin your moment, dude. It's like, what are you going to do? You just, of course you meant to ruin his moment. You're bringing Sean O'Malley. Did you you think Sean O'Malley was going to be really nice and respectful and be like, here's your flowers, dude. Here's your laurel. Here's your hearty handshake. I really want to congratulate you on your special day. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. Or like, I'm not impressed by your performance. I (laughs) I mean, even that, like, even that's disrespect. Like, you're just bringing somebody in that you know is going to be disrespectful. You can't really chase that with like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And it was like really bad moment for Aljo because he was getting booed in his backyard. That was was a Budo crowd, so he's already getting booed. You know, he didn't dominate Henry. It was a close fight. And now you got Sean O'Malley in his face, who's at least better shit talker than Aljo. And it's just, I really think he was in his fields. And that's why he snapped on the crowd. I was like, I'm not Mike Tyson. Like, leave me alone. I'm Aljo. That's like still, what are you going to do about it? I still think that that's his best, his best shit talk he's done in a long, long time. It's way better than the backpack yeah. rap rap line. I will never, that is seared. I mean, I guess that's good because that is seared so deep in my brain. I, I, I wake up at night and I think about that. I think rap, rap. Right. Yeah. It's like, have help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you were working on this team? Sarah Longo. <laughs> you know I didn't see <laughs> Matt Sarah with like, you know, licking the pen and like, you know, scratching it out on the paper with like Longo, Ray Longo over his shoulder being like, yeah, fuck it up, Matt. Fuck it up. <laughs> and rap, rap. That hits. That hits. <laughs> that slaps. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. But yeah, I liked how he kicked, you know, they kicked Sean O'Malley out of the cage and he was finally like, get out of my cage. I mm. thought that was cool. he, he used he used his his upper hand of having the microphone. That was a smart play. Otherwise, um, you could really tell like Henry Cejudo was not used to the idea that O'Malley would be that far away from or that uh, not O'Malley, but uh, that Sterling was not would be that far away from him. Took a while for Cejudo to get into the idea of the range of the fight that he had to have in there. Um, probably a better sign of the ring rust he came in with than anything else was just, and, you know, I, I guess it's, you could say that's probably a, a problem Cejudo's had before. We just don't see it a lot because a lot of the guys he's fought are his same size because you think back to that Marlon Marais fight and he had the same problem in that fight where he had to just, suddenly grit it and sit down and just start going punch for punch with Marais. Only with Sterling, Sterling's not going to play that game. He's not going to sit in front of you and let you just exchange strikes with him. Yeah, Sterling was doing a good at he was doing a good job of staying at range in this fight. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Obviously, it drifted into the clinch a bunch. Um, 
But when, when Henry would build some steam, Aljo would find a way to get some separation and just make it awkward for Henry, maybe chopping at the calf or just throwing the jab out there, you know, just fighting long and, and making, making so whose entry is just more, much more difficult. Mm-hmm. It was a smart fight. It was definitely it was a, a smart, smart fight. fight. Yeah, I got no problem with that. I got no problem with the score. I don't really see what the other round you'd give to Sudo was cleanly. I'm not going to say that it was impossible. They're, you know, the rounds weren't, the first couple rounds weren't that, or I think maybe it was like the third round that wasn't that decisive or something. I don't know. So who yeah, thought the third he won? It was definitely the swing round here. Yeah. It, it was really close. And, like the I I feel like what made it close was Henry got that last second takedown. Yeah, yeah, which shouldn't have made it that close, but very very easily could have. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the other fight that got the crowd really mad and everybody booing. Not a great night for the people who paid for to be live at this pay per view. Apparently, uh, Bilal Muhammad Gilbert Burns and I. I don't know how to feel about this because I feel like this is the kind of fight that Bilal could have had even if Gilbert hadn't injured his shoulder. But once Gilbert Burns injured his left shoulder or his left arm, whatever it was, then it just it, it became a fairly foregone conclusion, kind of. I mean, whether he had two arms or not, I didn't yeah. need five rounds of this. Yeah. <laughs> Three rounds would have been just enough you know to decide this one it was and and honestly i felt like burns wanted out after yeah yeah he was not watching his coach keep him in there he wasn't gonna say it but i mean hoofed is not he's not a throw in the towel kind of dude he's the opposite he's like let him die fuck it (laughs) yeah what are you doing don't quit yeah (laughs) that guy wake up my you are my son and you, this is going to be a character building lesson for you. Right. He's you go back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, I mean, that's the thing of a, of a coach who was a lifelong fighter themselves is that they, you know, they're not necessarily, you, part of you thinks like, oh, you've been there. You know what it's like. You, you know that sometimes a fighter needs to be saved. But the other time, you're like, did you ever, you know, were you ever pulled out of a fight? Would that was that ever your mentality? If it wasn't, then you're probably just gonna say, "No, I know what I'm doing." I, you, you know, we're not pulling you. You, you got to go out there. Yeah. And you got to take your licks. But man, he was trying. You know, he was like, "Is this the second round or something like that?" And yeah. Like, well, you know damn well you want out of the fight. Just say it. It's okay. Yeah. He can't. I don't fault him for it at all. No. I mean, Gilbert's a warrior, no. and he bit down, and he. He tried his best to use the tools available to him, and you know he he made it. He, you know he made he didn't get finished. <laughs> no, and I, I want to know he didn't get knocked down. No, I want to know where that switch kick has been his whole career, though, because <laughs> that thing was violent. He landed one to the body and he landed one to the head, and they were both really good. But it felt like something he'd had to be forced. He, he had to be forced into because of the limit on the tools available. So, yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, it's like we never see everything that a fighter has. Like it's no, very no. rare. There's so many tools that they just maybe aren't comfortable enough trying at this level. You know, at least maybe wherever they are in their training or wherever they learned it. You know, so sometimes they're forced into it. And I think just to who Gilbert Burns is, you know, he's a gamer, mm-hmm. and. 
tonight was Bilal's night. Bilal fought yeah. smart as always. He did exactly what he had to do. Wasn't going to play around on the ground. No, nope. just unloaded his volume, stayed at range, and just didn't didn't find a way to lose it. You know, he had it in the bag after three, and he just stayed the course, stayed focused, and stayed disciplined, and got himself a, a huge win. And now he's going to compete for a freaking title. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, the big question. I mean, the well, how cool is that? Is I mean. You know Dana White is sitting right that right now in his office, thinking to myself, "God damn, why did I promise that dude a title shot?" Oh yeah, sure. But you know, the UFC think doesn't cool. think it's cool. It's all, you think it's cool, but the UFC it's an actual the, it's an actual earned title shot. It is an actual earned title shot. I I agree with you on that factor. As somebody who you know our investment is covering the sport, you like to see people get where they should go through the hard work they put in. And Bilal Muhammad has definitely put in all the hard work in the world and he deserves to, he deserves his moment in the sun. Um, but also as somebody who is going to be trying to keep a website running, making traffic off of an event like the, this, <laughs> I'm like, man, maybe, may, maybe Colby Covington can like lose and get a rematch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, can, can they get can they get camp can they get Hamza to like cut off a foot or something to make weights? Um, hey, maybe maybe we'll get something super incredible in the fight. Maybe the yeah. there, the interest won't be there, but maybe just the moment will go viral. We'll get a double knockout for the you know the title. You know, That's right. chaos. Maybe there'll be a brawl. You know, there's we, okay. So real quick, all right. I always say that that combat sports and you know you have the sports side and you have the spectacle side, and they can never exist without one another. No, this absolutely. An instance where we need that spectacle side to really shine through. Yeah, I mean, especially if Leon Edwards beats Colby Covington, because Bilal and Covington they have some bad blood there. They can make something work. Um. But if it's Leon Edwards on one side and it's Bilal Muhammad on the other side, you you have potentially booked the most, the, the least anticipated title fight of all time. The least anticipated rematch of all yeah. time. Yeah, that's right. We've they seen that fight before. recently. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. And it, but it, it was actually a pretty good fight when it happened for it, as long as it happened until the yeah, for Leon Edwards. <laughs> yeah, for Leon Edwards. There is that too. <laughs> it was not a competitive performance from Bilal. But you know, maybe, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm team chaos for that. I'm all the way. Yeah. And I'm not talking about Colby Covington. I'm talking just, I want madness. I want, well, I want a spectacle. As Team Chaos, then, and as a Team Chaos representative, you've got to be happy then that Yan Jaunan beat Jessica Andrade, right? Oh, absolutely. I I, I felt like it was going to happen second. The second she waved off the glove touch, I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And she was looking so sharp, as sharp as I've ever seen her look. Oh, it who is, was that? It was absolutely the sharpest Yan Jaunan has ever looked. I would also say that... The, that is the worst Jessica Andrade has ever looked, including her loss to Weili Zhang, where she basically just ran across the cage and got knocked out on the first striking exchange. 
I have never seen Jessica Andrade look that uncomfortable for that long in the cage. From the jump, she looked like she was not at all happy or confident about walking in on Jaunan at all. And then everything that followed was just it looked desperate and exactly desperation saying how how this is the best we've ever seen her look how do you think andrage felt like you prepare for yeah like you saw the mckenzie dern fight yeah like you you go from that to this overnight holy shit yeah no it was it's true because like the dern fight i watched that and i'm just like okay so the the big bonus that yan Janan has had over her career including that fight is that if she can outlast you with cardio and you can't out grapple her then she can out, she can she can hit you with volume and take you out of the fight with volume but this like this was not a volume performance this was just every time andrage waited in on a, on a big wide hook she got countered really clean and, and the pop the pop yeah. she had in her punches was she she has more horsepower than she had in her last fight, and that's incredible. Yeah, and I it, no part of me was interested in Yan Jaunan getting a title shot at some point, but if Jessica Andrade had won this, she would have been the obvious contender right now. I mean, you look at the top five in the women's uh, strawweight division, every single woman right there up there, other than Amanda Lemos, is coming off a loss right now. And Something tells me with the UFC and the way they've invested in China and, you know, putting up a performance institute, going, doing this whole, like, you know, Asia tournament thing that they're doing now all the, every year, it seems like. Was that the road to the UFC? Road to UFC? Yeah. Something tells me they're a lot more interested in Yan Zhaonan versus Weili Zhang than they would be in Amanda Lamos versus Weili Zhang. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can have a Chinese fighter versus a Chinese fighter in China. And Cormier even alluded to that before the fight even started. Like, how crazy, how big would that be? Yeah. So that's probably going to happen. Yep. Uh, that seems like the likely move to make. And uh, it's the perfect time to make it because Lamos, is, she's good, but she's you know, personality she got, wise, she, she got uh, standing arm triangled by Andrush. Not yeah, that's not that. some MMA bathroom thing. I'm just saying, like you, you come out and you do this to Jessica Andrush, like the consummate gatekeeper, former champion herself. Like you get your ass in there for a show. Yeah, I mean, she's at least, she looks as ready as she's ever going to be. So throw it together, make she's it just happen. Great. She looks as strong as. As venomous, I mean, there was nothing to not like out there, honestly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That takes us to a featherweight bout, Mozart Ivlovev, Diego Lopez. Now, I, I'm just, I'm not going to ask you what you scored it because I am ready to be pill pilloried uh, and to be mocked because I scored this fight 30 26, Mozart Ivlovev. 3026. Mm-hmm. Standing 30, by 26. it. 26. Which what was the 10-8 round? Round round two. Evil Web outstruck Lopez 
80 to 10, 40 to 10 in significant strikes, and just absolutely mop the floor with him all, all round. That's my mm-hmm. argument. I'm standing by it. It got me a ton okay. of hate. Man. I mean, I understand I'm... where you're coming yeah. from, but <laughs> he did land some really good volume, and his ground and pound is is meaningful. It's not – those aren't arm yeah, punches. Yeah, it looked like he, he was hurting the man. Yeah, he was definitely – he fucked him up. He was mauling him on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was definitely – it was close. I don't feel like he was ever really that close to finish it. That's that's fair. I'll I'll take I'll, I'll you know. But otherwise, this is one of those things. I guess I should be more. I should be more angry with myself. Maybe I don't know, because I always say that submissions and grappling position should be rewarded. And I didn't reward Diego Lopez for any of his work. Oh wait, when did he have that knee bar? Was that the second round? That was the first round, I believe. Was it the end of the first? Yeah, he didn't have a recorded no, no, submission no. attempt in in the second round. No, he had a near arm bar at the end of the first, or in the first. Uh, I'm at least he was in a knee bar at the end of the second round. I'm pretty sure. Was he? Was he? Lopez was, yeah. is is credited with four sub attempts. Three in round three, one in round one, none maybe in round two. it was at the two. end of the fight altogether. Maybe it was at the end of the third. I think it was at the end of the third. Yeah, I'm in a full knee bar. Yeah, yeah, it was at the end of the third. Yeah, okay. So round two was just a one-sided ass whipping. Rounds one and three were very close. I felt like Eve Loeb did enough outside of the submissions he got caught in to uh, take both rounds. But I gave the first round to Lopez. He wobbled. Yeah, he... he wobbled Ivloev Yv- with a, a punch on the feet early in the, in the round. And then that bar was super close. So he was closer to finishing that fight in the first round. That's, that's fair. I probably should have done the same. I should have gone 29-27. I'll do 29-27 on, <laughs> on reflection. You're changing it after the fact. That's right. On reflection. <laughs> The thirty twenty six was stupid. Twenty nine twenty seven. That's that's I think the you smart man. Give a thirty twenty six out there. That's the smart man score. The thing is, uh, Lopez stock has went the fuck up in this fight, man. He came. Yeah, he, dude. he put on a stellar performance. He did way better than anybody gave him credit for doing. I mean, he got really close on a lot of some. I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, if if a little damage might have occurred from that knee bar, because you can see in the replay the grimacing going on. Uh, I mean, he did he he put up a hell of a performance in a, in a losing effort against one of the very best on the planet. I mean, yeah, this was a this fight. Is, this is yeah, this is what you do. You step in on short notice and you put on a, a really solid performance. I want to see him again. Like I can't wait. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a fight that I would have said. You know, uh, I'm sure I did say this week that because Mitchell withdrew from the fight like three days ago, four days ago. This was a fight that I just felt shouldn't have been made at all uh, going in. It's just like, I'm sorry, Evil versus Diego Lopez. Like you're you're putting a top 10 featherweight in there with some guy on no notice at all. Why? 
just he wait. picked it. I know. I'm, I mean, I picked this. I know Evlo picked it, but you know, if I'm his manager, I'm saying no. If I am the UFC, I'm saying no. We don't need Hold that. On. If you're his manager, you're saying no. Like, don't give me your ten percent or fifty percent of that paycheck. I don't think so, bud. Well, okay, but I don't that think just, so. That just, that doesn't make a good argument for MMA managers. I'm talking this is as prize a, fighting. Like I'm talking as a squad. just and moral person here, filled <laughs> to the brim you're with the good feelings for my my fellow man. <laughs> I'm saying that if you're handling a fighter and you're like, oh, we're going to have you fight some no-name guy on three days' notice, he's super experienced and nobody cares about him at all, I'd just be like, no. Push it out a week well, and fight next we week. Don't know, we don't know what his other options were. I know, I know. I'm. It, it just it felt like a terrible fight to book, but you got to walk away from it being pretty happy Unless perhaps your mopes are evil, where you got to walk away and think, wow, I really scraped out of that. And I'm not sure my stock went up at all. The stock, well, it was a great fight. I think if it was you didn't know fight. who Evloev was going into it, you know, you might, you might at least like, oh, it was on pay per view. Great fight. It was on yeah. pay per view. So it's in front of a big audience and he, they both showed up. So. People are going to have fun with it. But, you you know, you, you are going to also walk away with a whole bunch of people arguing that Diego Lopez won. I saw that all over the place. And yeah, for Evil Web, if you're trying to march your way to a title shot, that's not what you want to walk away out of that with. Honestly, I mean, to your point, it's 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 it's, it's a big risk. It's a big gamble yeah. for someone like Evil Web. It is. It's you a know, risk. but I the fan i love no, seeing sure. that like when yeah. guys aren't just like no i gotta fight someone above me in the rankings you know it's like uh, i want to fight like oh my guy pulled out that's cool who's available all right give me him i'm showing yeah him. we all love the uh you know the drew dobers of the world and the uh donald Cerrone's of the world but uh it's you know they're also fighters who had like one or two moments where they've risen up the division then otherwise stayed like right smack in the middle doing action fights forever because it does not keep you winning being that guy who just shows up for any fight. Uh, so the question now is after that, do you do Ivlowev versus Sadiq Yusuf? Does he fight behind him? Or do you do Evloev versus Chikadze or Evloev versus uh, Cater, both of whom are coming off a loss, but are ranked ahead of him? I don't see why you don't try to rebook Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. I want to see it, man. It I is a really fun, yeah. That. that is true. It's just, you know, Bryce Mitchell, you, you can't trust that that guy's not going to, like, electrify, electrocute himself with a cattle prod or something. I don't know that I'd want to base my really? camp, my fight camp around the ideal idea that Bryce Mitchell is going to be a entirely whole and prepared person by the time fight night arrives. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Especially like, I mean, it's, it's tough to want to fight someone after they already wasted your time once and put you in a situation like this where you got to face it, an unknown and take a huge risk. Mm-hmm. So he might not even want that fight again. I, I totally understand that. But personally, I, I need to see it. <laughs> All right. 
That that's fair. That brings us to another featherweight bout, though. Charles Jordan, Cron Gracie, and um, man, Gracie Jiu Jitsu still here, like it's nineteen ninety nine. Well, to be fair, it worked. He didn't get I mean, finished. He didn't get he, finished. His self-defense worked. Yeah, the self-defense part of it worked. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> if Charles Jordan had been trying to snatch his purse, Cron Gracie put on well, he one hell of an advertisement for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. snatched, but he wouldn't have, uh, you know. Yeah, he didn't get knifed. So, <laughs> you're right. Get world starred. On, on that yeah. note... <laughs> On that note, Cron Gracie had a rousing success for Gracie instructional knife fighting and uh, traditional jiu-jitsu. But, man, I mean, if Henry Cejudo was clearly in the gym for the last three years working out and doing whatever, Cron Gracie was definitely just out camping for the last four years right? and not in the gym. <laughs> because that is a significantly worse fighter than the dude who fought Cub Swanson. No, this this was abysmal. It really, really was. This is the worst fight I've seen in a while, honestly. And I mean, not for Jordan. He did exactly what he should do. He, you know, he didn't play Gracie's game. He didn't do anything stupid with a very good grappler from guard, and he just. Touched him up everywhere on the feet. This isn't Charles's fault at all. He did no. his job. He, his five Q through the roof here. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Just the way he stayed safe on the ground, just completely shelling up and giving absolutely nothing. That's brilliant. Like that's brilliant stuff. And it, it's a, and it's like, all he has to do is hang out and the mm -hmm. ref is either going to stand him up or he's just going to own top position and get control time. So brilliant, brilliant uh, game plan. And yeah, Kron stunk up the place, man. He really did. No pun intended for my chronic smokers out there. No, no. <laughs> but Kron stunk up the place. It was, uh, we got butt scoots, guard pulls, guard pulls to nothing. Like how many yeah. submission attempts can you recall? Maybe like there, there half was, a point seven five. Yeah, he got an he got into an arm bar position at one point. I feel like maybe yeah, or just almost threw his legs up for a triangle, kind of, sort of. Yeah, but Jordan was just he was tight. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he he knew what trouble he shouldn't get into. I mean, he's a dude too, where like we think of him as kind of a wild man out there. But he's only been submitted once in his career. And I know Julian Arosa isn't Cron Gracie, but Julian Arosa is a pretty tricky fighter in his own right. And getting one, darsed by one guy one time in the third round of a hard fight is a pretty good track record for Charles Rodin, especially given how much he gets taken down. Like he's a dude that ends up on the mat at the behest of his opponent a lot. And that's the problem with not having wrestling. Yeah, you know, at, this is the UFC. You know, it's at, at, in twenty twenty three, coming out with one dimension. It's just not going to fly anymore. That brings us to a lightweight bout: Matt Frivola, Drew Dober, and oh wait, also 
the Charles Rodin call out Edson Barboza. Yeah. I'm a big fan. That's Fantastic. a great call out. And and especially after that fight. Yeah. I just had to deal with a butt scooter. Like, come on, let's let's get Edson Barbosa in here. Let's put on a show and give me a chance for some fun yeah, do, in a fight. Do the night. man a favor. He's earned it. Hey, and that's if that's a favor, like damn. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Well, yeah, fair. For it, so, but he wants cool. it. Yeah. All right, lightweight bout: Matt Frivola, Drew Dober, and as advertised, an absolute banger. But if in, I mean, I guess these dudes both hit hard and they both love to punch, so I can't be like shock, shock, shocked. But if you'd asked me a hundred times straight who was going to win this fight by knockout. I would have said Drew Dober a hundred times. Well, I wouldn't have thought Frivola would have won any other way. He he might not have won any other way, but Drew Dober hasn't been knocked out for twelve years. You know, yeah, and Frivola has been knocked out, you know, on a few occasions in the yeah. like quick outs. Yep, and it just it seemed he got these two guys brawling. I'm gonna pick Dober every time to win that brawl, but Frivola looked good. He. I mean, he, I don't even know that he was necessarily winning every punching exchange, but he looked fast, and he looked like he knew to what fight he wanted to stay out of. He did not want to just square up with Drew Dober. And he did a good job making Drew Dober chase him to the point that Dober just chased him into that, that huge hook. Yeah, it, that... it felt like he was preventing Dober from, from like fully establishing his timing. Dober uh-huh. was getting so close, and he was backing Frivola up and had him in his sweet spot where he loves to get everybody, and he, he's been knocking people out lately. And, I mean, zig when you should have zag kind of moments where yeah, yeah. Like, like he barely is missing these knockout strikes, like barely, barely missing these head kicks. And it's that's a timing thing. He just didn't – he couldn't couldn't quite get the timing, and Frivola did. He had the timing, and Frivola hits harder. Yeah. Like solo punch for solo punch, give me Frivola for sure. Like that man is explosive. He has explosive, explosive power. Um, I don't think Frivola is a better striker by any means. But yeah, you don't have to always be the better striker. The better fighter doesn't always win. No, and that's that's the beauty of of MMA. You know, it's it's those techniques. This this isn't point fighting. It, it is a chaotic sport. And to add to that chaos, then Matt Frivola went out and harangued Patty Pimblett for choosing his own fights and then demanded that Patty Pimblett fight him, which (laughs) I, you know, look, I'm not saying that this has to be a whole, uh, I'm not saying these guys have to be introspective. I'm saying this has to bring logic into this zane. (laughs) Like, what are you thinking? I'm just saying that, like, you're out there in public being like, this coward chooses who he wants to fight. I am choosing to call to, I want him to choose to fight me. It's just like, what is this? Just, I mean, it's a, it's a good call out, but he's, it's not a fight he's going to get. Pimblet, Pimblet's ankle is all screwed up. So unless he wants to wait until like the winter to fight again, he's going to. Well, that actually makes it a bad call out. Yeah. Like you wasted a moment. You could have it's called true. out anybody that could have had maybe. I just, you know, fighters, fighters aren't on, they're, they're not on the internet all the time. They're not following Patty's Instagram yes. and all that stuff. 
Oh, they absolutely are. <laughs> okay, well then he's got no arms. They're he's fires. got no arms. They they can rest. I mean, they're on their own. They're on their own Twitter and their own Instagram. You think you, you think that Travolta's been out there stock Instagram stalking Patty, like liking all of his posts? Just not liking secret. it. No, not liking it. Okay. Yeah. Either way. Um, you know, if if this does get Frivola into the top fifteen, which it very well could, and then makes no sense to fight Patty Pimblett, uh, but does make Patty Pimblett more likely to want to take that fight, I would just say, assuming the Pimblett fight doesn't happen, Matt Frivola, Hanato Moicano. Man, that's interesting. <laughs> right? It'd be fun. You know, it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. I would have never even thought of that. That's that's a very unique. And Moicano's on one right now. Like he's he on is, one. yeah. So, Frivola's out there. He says, "I can title. I can challenge for a title right now. I am in my prime. I am making my run. Get you know, get him fights. What are we wasting our time here? Matt's not getting any younger. He's uh, he's thirty two. You know. Yeah, man. And the way he's sleeping, people. That's three in a row, man. Mm-hmm. So. Be, that'd be real interesting. And both of them are making their, they're trying to make their runs. So that, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. I'm here for it, Zay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You got to do it. You, the, I've, I have, I have brought this into existence. We now need to, you know, we need to go with the, the what was it? The secret that was Conor McGregor's big book. We got to, we got to will it to be so. But that brings us to yeah. a light heavyweight. <laughs> you just blew Grockhold on us, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you got to believe. I Look, I win. When I win, <laughs> I win. That's, what now I, that's, that's all I got to say that, about that. Now that is sound logic. Yeah. I mean, you can't You When I'm winning, I'm winning. And you can't argue that. It is the truth. Uh, yeah. You can't teach that kind of thinking in schools either is what I'm saying. All right, that brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Kennedy Nzechukwu against Devin Clark. And um, they're kind of the fight that Nzechukwu always has, right? He got blasted early. He was in trouble. He covered and shelled and let his opponent burn themselves out. And then he just rallied back hard and stole Devin Clark's lunch money. And, And it's also a very Devin Clark fight. Like yeah, he's notorious for the most wonky finish, getting finished in the most bizarre ways. You know, he really is. Uh, <laughs> okay. At least he didn't have to. De- at least he didn't have to deal with his dad screaming at him from five feet away this time. No, his dad was ten feet away this time. Yeah, exactly. Just that little bit of difference. I hopefully, hopefully that made it all a little easier to take, a little kinder on him. Oh man, so. It's this is first of all, it's a technical submission, which I am the biggest fan of. Like, mm-hmm. it's a standing ninja choke. He puts dude to sleep, right? And the referee is on top of it. I mean, fantastic yeah. referee, and but like, not a Muay Thai referee in Thailand. Like, those no. guys will dive to save the head. This referee, like, <laughs> Clark's unconscious, right? And he starts to fall, and the referee jumps in to, to stop it. And like, instead of grabbing the head, he starts waving off the and Clark just face plants and you know MMA has this thing I don't understand why I I, 
I don't understand exactly why it started. I guess I I guess maybe it started because with the freedom to ground and pound and the freedom to do so many different things to hurt your opponent and the fact that you can follow an opponent to the ground, you kind of have to force the uh, the winning fighter to stop attacking uh, because they have the opportunity to just continue attacking after the person has fallen. But it's otherwise always really weird to me that referees always step in facing the guy who is winning and like try to wave the fight off to them rather than stepping in to save the person who is falling down like they do in Muay Thai or in boxing. Like, I mean, maybe it's uh, they're not trying to get hit up with any hit with any follow up strikes, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the way that MMA encourages you to just keep attacking no matter what you we've seen how many fights have we seen where the ref has to do like a flying tackle of the fighter that's attacking just to like throw them off you know get them away from the guy that they're attacking it happens all the time yeah Yeah. but it is it, it does lead to really weird situations like that where it's like you had the chance to rescue this man and instead, you're focusing on the person who is totally fine. Like, but why? he wasn't even. No, that's the thing. Because he stopped the fight, right? Kennedy's standing, yeah. and as soon as he he let go, like he Kennedy starts walking away, and the ref yeah. goes down to knee with with Clark as Clark's falling. Yeah. And instead of just reaching out, like you know, he's right there. He's just yeah, like, it's over to nobody, just to like the crowd and the judges and the audience. <laughs> Because he's like, oh, I'm going to wait one. Like, dude, he's face planting in front of you, man. Yeah. And I'm giving uh, him a hard time. You know, real time, I, you know, shit happens. It, it was just. Yeah. I, just Clark, like I, said, I, like, I, I think the MMA is a sport. It trains refs. Don't focus on the person getting hurt. Focus on the person who is hurting them. You know, focus away from the person getting hurt. So that well, I think I mean number moment, one, you got to make the violence stop. Exactly, yeah. and so in in the moment that even even when the violence has stopped, the ref is still just going to be queuing in on that idea of like, I need to make sure the violence is stopped. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, I love this fight. By the way, this was fun as shit. Yeah, this was, so this, much was fun. this was probably the best fight on the card. Honestly, well, maybe maybe Evo of yeah Evo Lopez, yeah. That might have been, but this was way up there. Yeah. Yeah, this was good. This was a good one. And probably Zetchaku is headed towards the top 15 off this. I don't know. Like, there's a fight coming up against Khalil Roundtree welcoming uh, Chris Dowkaus to light heavyweight. Winner of that against Zetchaku, maybe? Yeah, sure. Kennedy looked great. He like did. he got wobbled by a big shot, but for him to thrive in the clinch with Devin Clark, who like lives in the clinch, who would rather be nowhere else than the clinch, I'm sure he'd rather be on top. But he usually, yeah, more so, he just finds himself in a lot of clinch fights. So for Kennedy to just thrive there and not just control wise, but just blasting those knees, elbows, I mean, his boy tie was phenomenal in, in this fight. Like he looked great. Mm-hmm. Even though he got wobbled, I think he, he looked great out there. No, he did. 
He he did exactly the right thing when he got hurt. He shelled up. He covered up. He kept his he kept his head about him. Countered when he had the chance and steered the fight back to his his area. You know, it's a it, at some point he, if he wants to ever climb up to the elite, he's going to have to stop getting hurt really badly at the start of every fight. But at least so far, he's still recovering well. That brings us to a welterweight bout. That our real controversy, our real judging controversy of the night. Chaos this was Williams. A really good fight. Yeah, Chaos Williams, Rolando Bedoya, and uh, okay, how did you have this one from start? Oh, what did I score this one? Um, I gave Chaos the first and Boudet the second and the third. So you had Bedoya by twenty nine twenty eight Bedoya. Yes. All right. I, I scored at 29-28 Williams. I thought first two rounds were very close. I felt Williams landed the harder shots. They were not cleaner. They were not better strikes. They just seemed like they were harder. And, uh, you know, after that, Bedoya really did well in the last round to clean it up and take it home or, and to, to take the last round from it. But just... Uh, Honestly, an impressive second round was really close. And all things considered, I I walked away a lot more impressed by Bedoya than I did by Williams. I'll say that, you know? Yeah, especially his chin. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. He stood up to the the punches. He smiled at punches that put plenty of other people out. Yeah, no, I mean, Chaos Williams, you know, he put enough fear into Matt Semmelsberger to win that fight off of him. He knocked out Miguel Baeza. He he knocked out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. He knocked out Alex Morono. The dude has power. And Bedoya, I was watching him on the regionals. I was like, this dude is living off of his chin in these low-level fights. There's no way you can just throw him into a fight with Chaos Williams and have that be his def- defense, his principal way of blocking strikes, and have him win that fight. So for him to walk away and get the win out of that, I mean, I got to be impressed. I, I got to say, okay, this guy's got a legitimately fantastic chin that can put him through most fights in the welterweight division, and he's just got to work on improving the rest of his game to be something you know, more productive, more technically tight, more stingy, work on his footwork and things like that. But the toughness and the aggression are right there. No, this was so much fun. I think mm-hmm. Rolando did really well. And that – what, does he not have nerve endings or something? Was I don't he on know. painkillers? Like how can someone be so tough? It's really remarkable. Like it's – I don't know how he just ate those shots and kept coming forward. And like it, chaos was like punching himself out, just hitting yeah. this guy. Damn, it, it was an impressive performance. I'm not surprised he didn't get the win. I don't feel any real way one side or the other about it, but I'll definitely be interested in seeing what happens to Rolando Bedoya next. Knowing MMA, he's probably going to get booked against somebody like I don't know, like uh, uh, you know Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, and just get slept instantly. Somehow, maybe I don't know. He's that's got a lot how the of sport tools. works. I, I gave him the second round because of his leg kicks. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that was they were crippling, they really were. If Williams had like if, if they'd gotten Williams to stop throwing more, I would have done the same, but 
Williams, like, that is a single-minded man, I'll tell you. He's a dog. He really is. He's a dog. All right, that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Verna Janjaroba, Marina Rodriguez, and Janjaroba on a run. And this was a fight, honestly, I know it wasn't a thrill to watch. But I was really, really impressed here by Janjaroba because Rodriguez actually did what she always does, which is she gives up the takedown in round one, and then she adjusts, and she gets much harder to take down. She didn't actually give up the takedown in round two, even though Dean Thomas got on air and is all like, you know, she just can't stuff these take in like midway through round two or whatever. So she just can't stuff. Janjaroba pulled guard and swept her. And that is really goddamn impressive. You know, Cron Gracie pulled guard a shitload of times. And it did not do him any good. So for Xandaroba... No, he, he also didn't go for any sweeps. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is that like, shit, Zane. He just pulled he, guard and like... No, <laughs> that's it. Hung out. That's what, but I'm just going to say, for Xandaroba, it's really impressive to like... Rodriguez came when she started round two and Xandaroba went and shot and Rodriguez stuffed her. And Xandaroba just... She made an adjustment, got creative, and got the takedown anyway. And then, you know, you, you got to credit Rodriguez still that she still did what she normally does, which is she found a way to win the third round. She found a way to mm-hmm. rally late. Um, didn't win her the fight, but it was I – w- I was really impressed with Janjaroba for winning this because – Rodriguez is a tough, is actually a surprisingly tough outing for somebody like Janjaroba. He's not the most physical athletic fighter in the world, given how well Rodriguez has done in fights like this before, where people can take her down and can't submit her and can't stop her from attacking. No, it, this was great. And the fact she was able to maintain top position, I don't think she ever relinquished it when she had it. Yeah, Once she was on top. That was it. I think uh, Marina came close a couple times, and she was pushing the head away. It almost got, almost got her hips out. Yeah, just did a great job of just really tying up her legs with her own legs, and Rodriguez just had, didn't have an answer for that. No, it, it She did a her leg vine was excellent. She locked locked in on the ankles so that no matter how much Rodriguez could push her down, she could not get her ankles free. And could not get away away enough to get out. So I'm honestly, I'm impressed. I know it wasn't a thriller, but uh, Janjaroba, her game planning, her adjustment to Rodriguez's adjustment, I'm impressed. I always love seeing that kind of thing. Uh, that brings us to a heavyweight bout. Parker Porter, Braxton Smith. I feel... I don't. I can't even feel a little silly for picking Braxton Smith here because all they did is swang and bang for the first minute, and either one of them could have gotten knocked out. And then it just turns out that Braxton Smith has really, truly only had four MMA fights. And what was it? Did you see that note? Uh, I think it was. Um, oh God, who? Well, they flashed on the screen or something. No, it was one of the Mania guys tweeted that. 
Apparently, Braxton Smith started training at an MMA gym for the first time a month ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? Well, if you're wondering why Even he the- abs- absolutely did not look know how look like he did not know at all what to do when he got put on the, the mat, that would how be why. How did he fight Chase Sherman in 2014? In, in 2012, was it? Or was it 2014? 2014. Yeah. yeah. He just like, that doesn't make sense. But he, he didn't fight for years after that. And but here's the thing, you can't like you can't just fight professionally. Well, where did like, he fight him? Probably Florida. I bet it's Miss I bet it's like Mississippi or Louisiana. It's Tennessee. Or, it's or, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. So maybe you can in Tennessee. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, the uh the game not existent the neck not existent so i guess he doesn't have to worry about getting choked yeah nobody's uh, choking that man but but yeah the the once he was fully mounted he had absolutely nothing well for one he was probably gassed right mm. and for two i mean zero technique other than shelling no kind of he didn't push on the hips no hip escapes no i mean but no, no idea what to do with his legs i mean he just <laughs> You know, and I'm kind of glad this happened because, you know, there are levels to this, even at yeah. heavyweight. Even, at, even heavyweight. at heavyweight. So, I mean, Parker Porter still almost, you know, he got clubbed still, but there are levels to this. Damn. All his fights were in 2022. Oh, yeah, I'm a little surprised they didn't put his ass on the contender series first or something like that. I guess they, you know, somebody gave him a good sales pitch. And he, he yeah, was winning them all by reel. knockout. Yeah, it's yeah. highlight reel. I was just... <laughs> all right. Good. I'm always happy, though, to see a guy like Parker Porter pick up a win in the UFC, especially in a fight where he could have gotten knocked out against somebody who like does absolutely nothing for him at all, beating Braxton Smith. Other than keeping Parker Porter's job around, it's not going to be like, you know, oh, wow, that was really the moment we knew Parker Porter was for real. Um, no, but I'm he always got a happy. finish. He got a, no, yeah, it was his first finish in the UFC. He was elated, so good for him. All right, that brings us to a middleweight bout. Ikram Alaskarov, Phil Haas, and uh, on the vivisection this last week, we were talking about how Phil Haas has tunnel vision. He fights on automatic. Like he just, he's doing his own thing. He's flowing. He's only thinking about what he's trying to do. And he's not at all seeing what his opponent is doing at all. And the result of that is that Phil Haas, he looks really great. And like he is absolutely keyed in right until the moment that he gets hit by something he did not see at all and it, it, they're they're always the wildest hardest most instantaneously fight ending knockouts you'll ever see of anybody and this was another one like Oz is just out there flowing doing fine got caught with a head kick and then like ducked away from something and just got crushed by a one two to the side of the head that he had no idea where it was no, that he's he's 
he he has quickly devolved into late career Melvin Manhoff. Oh, what do you? Oh. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I yeah, it just makes me sad because yeah. he doesn't love Melvin yeah. Manhoff. Yeah, for sure. But man, you know, I'm I'm actually pretty concerned for his brain. No, yeah, he's his trauma. It, this is like I say. I mean, this is the kind of thing where every time he gets knocked out, he's had four knockouts, knockout losses. Now they are hard, clean KOs. Like they are not. Oh, I got TKO'd and then I bounced back. They are. You went out like a light, and you were just stretched out cold. So. Yeah, it's hard not to be concerned when you see that kind of thing. Like it just happened back in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alaskarov, though, you know, new prospect at 185 pounds. He's still he, he's still holding on to that Islam Makachev hype. I'm not sure I yet quite believe that he's the best dude to ever come out of that camp. But uh he he didn't he started his UFC career on a spectacular win and you can't you know you can't do better than that. No, one of the smoothest one twos you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. And just and the way Phil went out, man, damn it, that is tough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just like asleep standing up, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's becoming common. And finally, that brings us to a catchweight bout, Claudio. Claudio Hibero against Joseph Holmes and uh, pretty touch and go wild sloppy fight. Hibero coming through with the TKO in round two, just a better athlete, a bigger puncher. Um, freak. He's a yeah. freak. He gives me he Yoel really Romero is. vibes. Yeah. Without all the like, training. Yeah. Just the just physically, like, yep. gigantic legs, long arms, huge hands, and he's got power. He, he really got to finish at the end of that first round. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean that that's a great base to build on. Being fast and powerful, being strong, being able to you know hit your opponent w- well before and from further away than they can hit you because you're faster than they are and all that. You can't really teach that. You can't you can't build that into somebody's game. That's a natural gift that comes with it. So hopefully this is a building point for him and he can get the training that is, you know, wasn't provided to him through his professional dance career. Yeah. I mean, he's 30 years old though. Yeah, I I know. It's not gonna be the the ceiling here is not exceptionally high, but you know, he'll be in some fun scraps at middleweight. Exactly. He'll put some people to sleep, and he might even, you know, get put to sleep a few times himself. Sure. I'll be there to watch it no matter what. On that note, we are going to have some bonus content. If you're not a Substack subscriber, this is the Substack pitch. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack. Uh, I don't know our .com for that. It's our Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack. Look it up. And we are going to have some bonus content for the sixth round, immediately following this, it will drop exclusively to Substack for subscribers only. So subscribe, sign up, help us out. That is the way we support ourselves. And uh, that is the best way to help Bloody Elbow out long-term. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, 
Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, the Sixth Round Retro, the Show Money Podcast, the MMA Depressed Us, exclusive fighter interviews, and the return of the MMA Bunker. <laughs>